Welcome to the Rare Possessions Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Belletti. And with me is the archivist from Book of Mormon Central, Jared Riddick. How's it going? We are going over chapter 10 of The Life of Nephi by George Q. Cannon. This is a, a very fun chapter. There's all sorts of introductions to information about the place that they called, the land that they called, Bountiful. So what was so special about their journey and finally making it to the land Bountiful? Well, he describes their journey in, in rather heartrending terms almost. Anybody who's been on a scout uh, camp out can sympathize <laughs> uh, living on raw meat in the wilderness. But uh, it's a very difficult time. And then they come to Bountiful, which is an oasis in the desert. Quite uh, literally. And there's a description um, of this kind of area in Travels in Arabia. Cannon cites it in the chapter. He goes, as we cross these open fields with lofty almond, citron, and orange trees, yielding delicious fragrance on, each, on, e- on either hand, exclamations of astonishment and admiration burst from us. Is this Arabia, we said? Is this the country we had looked on heretofore a desert? Verdant fields of green and sugar cane stretching along for miles or before us, streams of water flowing in all directions intersect our path, and the happy and contented appearance of the peasants agreeable helps to fill up the smiling picture. The atmosphere was delightfully clear and pure, and as we trotted joyously along, giving or returning the salutation of peace or welcome, I could almost fancy I had reached Araby the Blessed, which I had been accustomed to regard as, as existing only in the fictions of our poets. This is a postcard-type image that we have here going. Indeed. Do we actually know? A tourist description almost. Oh, yeah. This is like a, a brochure from a travel Bountiful agent. travel, you could say. Yeah. <laughs> so do we actually have a picture of this? Uh, yeah. There are some... Really good work that's been done over the years by Lynn and Hope Hilton, as well as uh, Warren and Michaela Aston, and um, Richard Wellington and George Potter. So this is a, a lot like Nahum, which we've talked about previously. We we have a pretty good idea that this is where Bountiful was. Yeah, this is almost an exact, I wouldn't say match, but uh, Warren and Michaela Aston came up with 12 requirements for Bountiful based on reading of the text. Number one was fresh water available year-round. Number two, that it had to contain much fruit and honey. Number three was the, both the general area and the specific location where the Lehites camped were fertile. Number four had to permit reasonable access from the desert to the coast. And then uh, number five was a mount prominent enough to justify Nephi's reference to the mount, which he prayed, and uh, close enough that he could go there to pray often. Number six, uh, cliffs from which Nephi's brothers could have thrown him into the depths of the sea. Always a pleasant picture. Uh, number seven was a shoreline suitable for the construction of a ship. Eight, had to have ore and flint for Nephi's tools. Nine, enough large timber to build a seaworthy ship itself. Ten, suitable winds and ocean currents to take the ship out into the ocean. Eleven, no uh, large population residing on the area based on Nephi having to rely on his brother's help uh, and having to locate ore himself and having to make his own tools. Rather than hiring someone yeah, locally or something. No, yeah, there's no local help there. Then twelve, nearly eastward of Nahum. Now that's some, those are some serious requirements. Yeah, very and specific. There are very, very, very few locations that can match that, and even fewer that are nearly eastward of Nahum. Two proposed locations that I can think of off the top of my head are Kor Karfot, which I know Warren Aston argues for pretty strongly, and then Kor, I'm going to mispronounce it, Rori, R-O-R-I, uh, that George Potter and Richard Wellington argue is a better fit. The fact that we have two, two locations that's great. is great, it's spectacular. And they're both very, very good matches. And I know archaeological work has been done at Kordkarfot as recently as two, two years ago. And there's still uh, reports and things coming along from the digs there. But they both fulfill a lot of these, uh, these requirements rather well. And so that the fact that Nephi could build a ship, something that was, was scoffed at, isn't something that's unbelievable. And the fact that he had this location to do it from, something also scoffed at, 
mean, most 19th century Americans, when they think of Arabia, they're not going to think of this kind of oasis. They're going to think of desert. And the fact that these things are there is a, I think it's a, a check in the Book of Mormon's favor. Yeah. And George Q. Cannon, now we didn't really know about Carfot or uh, the location that Potter and Wellington proposed then. Yeah, this was the, what, 1990s, 1980s? I, can't uh, I think uh, the, the Hiltons were in the late 70s. And then the Astons, I want to say, were probably in the early 90s, probably about 1994 okay. comes to mind. Yeah. And Potter Wellington have done work uh, throughout. Cannon is doing his best to be an, an armchair archaeologist and historian and going off what he has then. And even, even back then in 1883, he's able to put together a, a fairly compelling case saying this is, this is not fiction. This is something unbelievable. This is something that could have really happened. So he does spend some time giving several different non-scriptural accounts of people that have gone to places that we could say are very similar. It helps give some context to the fact that Bountiful was a place that maybe Joseph wouldn't have been aware of, but it definitely exists. Yeah. And so going on, he talks about the trip and travels of the Lehites, and he starts to compare them to the Latter-day Saint pioneers who left Nauvoo and went to Salt Lake. And uh, George can plant a burning bush so he can beat around it, but uh, he was one of those original pioneers. Right. And so when he's speaking about the hardships in the wilderness, he's, he's speaking firsthand. George Buchanan did not have an easy time crossing with the early pioneers, and then later as he left as a missionary, uh, he had to make that trip several times. He knew exactly what they had to deal with, not for the length of time that they had to deal with it, but he knew the conditions they had to deal with. That seems like the first time that I can remember that he is kind of pulling out of the narrative of the Book of Mormon and trying to apply it to yeah, the saints giving, in his time. He's giving something to the youth. He's giving yeah. them an example. Because those youth, I mean, their parents are the ones that have made that trip. Yeah. It's helping them connect to the text in a way that maybe isn't More right real. there. Yeah, exactly. All right. So that is all we have now for chapter 10. So stay tuned for the reading of chapter 10 in The Life of Nephi by George Q. Cannon. Life of Nephi by George Q. Cannon. Chapter 10. Contented once more to be led, the company resumed their journey in an easterly direction until they came to a land which they called Bountiful because of the abundance of its fruit and wild honey. This was on the seashore. They camped upon the shore and called the sea Eriantum, the meaning of which is many waters. The travels in the wilderness covered a space of eight years. During this period, they had children born to them, and although they lived upon raw meat, their wives had plenty of milk, which was to nurse their children, and they were healthy and strong as the men, and what is worthy of note, they began to bear their journeys without murmurings. This was a great point gained. We do not have a full account of their trials and difficulties while traveling for those eight years in that desert land, but Nephi says they traveled and waded through much affliction. Indeed, they suffered so many afflictions and so much difficulty, they could not write them all. No doubt their new life called forth their ingenuity and greatly tried their patience. It had made them hardy and enduring, capable of bearing fatigue and of contending with difficulty and hardship. The details of their perplexities and the shifts to which they were put, the Latter-day Saints who made the journey from Nauvoo in the state of Illinois to the Great Salt Lake Valley during the early years of the settlement can readily supply. Nephi takes the opportunity while speaking of their journey and the wonderful manner in which they had been sustained, especially the women in bearing and nursing of their children, to call attention to the fact that the commandments of God must be fulfilled. And if they are kept by the children of men, he doth nourish and strengthen them, 
and provides means whereby they can accomplish the thing which he has commanded them. This great truth Nephi never lost sight of, and it furnishes us, as we have said before, the key to his success in accomplishing the extraordinary works assigned to him. The directions in which they traveled after the death of Ishmael is that which would lead a company today into the most fertile region in Arabia. One traveler in speaking of a region, if not that called by Lehi and his company Bountiful, certainly adjoining it says, As we crossed these open fields with lofty almond, citron, and orange trees, yielding a delicious fragrance on either hand, exclamations of astonishment and admirations burst from us. Is this Arabia, we said? This the country we had looked on heretofore as a desert? Verdant fields of grain and sugarcane, stretching along for miles, are before us. Streams of water flowing in all directions intersect our path, and the happy and contented appearance of the peasants, agreeable, helps to fill up the smiling picture. The atmosphere was delightfully clear and pure, and as we trotted joyously along, giving or returning the salutation of peace or welcome, I could almost fancy I had reached that Araby the Blessed which I had been accustomed to regard as existing only in the fictions of our poets. Captain Haynes, whose manuscript journal is quoted from in Foster's Arabia, page 452, says this part of Arabia, the whole province, Hydramont, is represented as abundant in fertilization and richly covered hills, the palm groves magnificent, plentiful supplies of water, and indeed every beauty and perfection necessary to make a paradise of this earth. Palgrave, in speaking of the province of Batana, in the district of Oman, says, Those lands lying between the sea and Jebel Akhtar are especially rich in produce, especially where the rocky coastline interferes. He describes the trees of that region as the coconut, the date palms, the magna tree, and other fruit-bearing trees, and says, It is indeed the garden of the peninsula. Speaking of a district adjoining this, he describes fertile valleys full of rich vegetation, and considerable produce. Vines, whose wine is said to be good, abound in the slopes. Bees abound in the mountain and furnish excellent honey of a whitish color. The lapse of twenty-four centuries makes wonderful changes in the earth's surface, but here is a land which is today exactly answering the description which Nephi gave it, a land to which, because of its much fruit and also wild honey, they gave the appropriate name of Bountiful. Not even the honey in the mountains is wanting to distinguish it today. This traveler, in speaking of the mountains of that region, says, The mountains themselves are sometimes bare, more often wooded, at least partially so. No doubt the mountains were wooded at the time Lehi and company reached there. For Nephi, as we shall see as we proceed with our history, needed timber convenient to the sea. In general outline, the Arabian seashore offers little variety, being mostly mountainous, but there are exceptions to this, as we have seen. Some parts of this shore present regions of remarkable fertility. It doubtless did the same at the time of which we write. It was to one of these rich spots that Lehi and his company were led, and charming and attractive it must have appeared to them after their long and weary march, suffering from hunger and thirst in the desert. With what peculiar feelings they must have gazed on that great ocean, whose waves beat upon the seashore where they were camped. It is not difficult to understand that they were exceedingly rejoiced when they reached such a place, and that having reached there, some of them felt as though they did not wish to go any further. Some of the Latter-day Saints who left Nauvoo and traveled, having but little rest, 
until they reached the valley where Salt Lake City now stands, felt as though they had had traveling enough to last for years. They were so fatigued with their journey and the hardships incident there too, that they felt delighted to reach a place where there was a prospect of having a relief from that kind of life. But how much more would this be the case with the company after their long and toilsome journey? They had reached an earthly paradise. No occasion now to hunt for game to supply food, necessary for their wants. No suffering from hunger or thirst now. Here upon all hands was everything in profusion necessary to sustain life. Fruit of the most delicious kind. Dates form the staple of Arab food today, and probably they had the kola's date, for date palms abound in all that region, the fruit for which is amber-colored and of exquisite flavor. This fruit, called the king of dates, grows in a district near the sea, and is noted all over Arabia for its superiority over every other variety, an abundance of honey, drinking water, sweet and plentiful, and fish, too, for that ocean is full of fish of almost every kind. If their past habits of eating meat should have caused them to tire of the fruit, game likely abounded in a fertile region like that and was easily procured. Here Nephi rested with the others for the space of many days before he was called upon to perform new labors, labors that were essential to the establishment of the purpose the Lord had in view for them. Thank you for listening to the Rare Possessions Podcast from the archives of Book of Mormon Central. For the latest information on additions to the Book of Mormon Central archive, or to inquire about archive items like this one, visit us online at archive.bookofmormoncentral.org.